admitting that you're angry with God. Yeah. Like I had to have some hard conversations. God and God. I are like this with these conversations. I don't play. I'm like my boy. <laughs> you, I, I don't want to be your strongest soldier. When did I sign up for the war? I don't want to be here. And you're throwing me on the front line. What? Like, Lord, no. Get somebody else to do it. Get somebody else. You no. know how quickly I would get a nine to five? And it's interesting because I think there's this negative connotation when they say like, you're not supposed to be mad at God and you're not supposed to be angry. Yeah, right. No, dog. He is my father, right? Mm -hmm. We need to talk. Let's have a conversation. This ish hurts. This hurts. This is pain. And you're hitting me in the one place, the one area that could break me the most. Hey, you guys, welcome to In Totality, a place where we celebrate authenticity and openness. We're here for those who are willing to explore, those who embrace imperfections, and for those with open hearts and minds. I'm excited to embark on this journey with you. And while I can't predict every twist and turn, I'm certain that God will be by our side with every step of obedience. Welcome to In Totality with me, your host, Megan Ashley. What's up, you guys? Welcome back to In Totality. I'm your host, Megan Ashley. And I'm so, I, obviously, you can see it's Christmas time. I got my trees up, I got my decorations, the vibe is set. Uh, Christmas time is my favorite time of the year. So um, I'm super excited to have some, some Christmas lights and all the things. Um, but welcome back to another episode. I'm so excited today because I have a guest um, that. It's so crazy. We have this is the first time we've seen each other in person, but we have been um, friends for three years, right? Since 2020, we met um, in 2020, and we'll tell you guys all about that. But please welcome my guest, Sarah Lovestow is here. Thank you, Megan. Thank you for having me. Uh, virtual claps, virtual <laughs> claps. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. You jumped on that plane last night, got Great. here this morning at yes. like one o'clock, and booked it over here. I'm so thankful. You know, when God moves and your friend calls and, you know, again, we'll talk about how we met, but the fact that it's taken us three years I and we know. finally get to talk about our testimony and the journey from even from where we've been, how we met and to now. It's crazy. Is, uh, it's been a crazy It's ride. crazy. And crazy. I'm, you know what, though? Like, I'm so thankful that God preserved that time for now. Yes. I feel like this was the right setting for it the, had, to, it be had to be this right it had to be now so i'm so excited so tell us give our audience you do all the things <laughs> you are like a serial entrepreneur you are a social media influencer you do all the things so give our audience kind of a background about you and then we'll do some rapid fire questions to kind of do some icebreakers and then we'll go into all the things well you know off camera we were talking about our uh 23 and me <laughs> So I'm Ethiopian, um, and we'll we'll talk some more about <laughs> our disappointments or excitements of of our 23s. I know I gotta tell you, we gotta talk about that. <laughs> uh, but I'm a serial entrepreneur, tech investor, uh, angel investor, uh, content creator, influencer, uh, mama of two, mm. a special needs mom, and it's been a heck of a journey. Yeah, it's been a journey. So Sarah makes social media look so easy. I'm like, she has reels every other hour. I'm like, how does she, how do you have time to do all of those? Like the social media, I am the worst at content. So it's just not my wheelhouse, but you just make it look so easy. Uh, one shout out to Jocelyn, who's my social media manager. <laughs> we have it down to a science. Now we mm. shoot 20 videos in a day uh, for all seven platforms. That's no way. How, yeah. And, and it's, you know, unless there's like a specific trend that requires my attention right then and there. Mm -hmm. uh, no, we're shooting them once a week because I'm a mom. I don't, I can't shoot every day. Right. Uh, but I know that I can dedicate 
one day a week while the kids are in school, those are six to eight hours that I shoot content. And you just shoot it all day? All of it. And then who edits edits the content for it? Do you have someone that edits or do you do it yourself? Jocelyn and I edit all the content. Nice. And then you just schedule it out. It's scheduled. <sighs> Gotta have a system. I have systems for my personal I'm life like, and for my give, work life. Can you give me the system? Can I got you give you. me the process? <laughs> we can I'm talk like, about so it. I could just duplicate that. <laughs> Thank you. you. Thank you. Okay. So I have some um some icebreaker questions. Okay. And actually I pulled up the wrong one. Hold on. Okay. So favorite quote. You know, recently I heard a quote uh, that messed me up and I don't know where it came from, but it said the areas of your life where you worry the most is where you trust God the least. Mm. And it rocked me. Wow. And I was like, all right, God, I hear you. I surrender. Wow. Okay. You can have it. The areas where you worry the most are the areas where you trust God the least. Mm -hmm. Were you surprised? Did you have to think about what those areas were and were you surprised? I knew. You knew. I knew. It'd been something that I was worried about for a solid eight months. Kept me up at night for months, for months. And look at God, be like, let it go, let it go, let it go. Let it go. I love that. Because we gotta find out. Who- uh- <laughs> he said, "Faith of a mustard seed." You don't even have that. I was like, you know what? Leave me alone. You said, "Okay." <laughs> okay. It's like God be beating me up. It's like, leave me alone for sure. <laughs> we got to figure out who wrote that quote because that's a good one. I have to add that to my list. I love quotes. I have this. Um, this folder in my notes mm-hmm. and it's just all quotes that I see that I love, you know, or even quotes that I come up with myself or little things that I think of and I just put them in. I just love quotes. Quotes are a thing for me. Okay. Favorite ice cream? Um, Jenny's ice cream. It's their um, brown butter bitter, brittle thing. It's a, it's like a blondie ice cream. Mm. It's so Jenny's has the best ice cream. It's Shout out to Ohio because that's where Jenny's originated. Also lactose intolerant, but I do risk it all. <laughs> so you know it's good. <laughs> For sure. I think everyone's lactose intolerant. I feel like everyone has some of that in there. Okay. Recent book. Ooh. Um, I was reading or I am currently rereading uh, The Winner by Tim Grover. Okay. The winner of Tim so good. Is it good? So what is it about? It's the mentality of a winner. Like, mm. how badly do you want to win? Mm. Uh, and as somebody who I am very competitive, uh, typically with myself, but mm-hmm. I am very competitive. Um, and I say that I want to be great. Mm-hmm. And I say that I want to accomplish all these things. Mm-hmm. But am I truly built for it? Mm. And do I truly want to do the work? And do I have the mental strength that Mm -hmm. I think I have to create or to be great. Yeah. And so he talks about training uh, like Michael Jordan and training Kobe Bryant Mm -hmm. and that Mamba mentality. And everyone wants to be Kobe and says they want the Mamba mentality, but you don't understand. He sacrificed everything Everything. for greatness. How bad do I want to win? Yeah. And sometimes it's okay if the answer is I don't want to win that bad. Because I was getting ready to say, I think when I think about that, like coming into this space, of being an entrepreneur, like, first of all, I've never had to do anything on my own or be responsible for myself on my own. I was married at 20. Yep. I went from my mom's house to same. marriage. You know, you had the same similar experience. Same. So I never had to like be responsible for myself. Yeah. And I don't feel, I or I've never felt like I had that like innate entrepreneur 
thing in me. Mm -hmm. Like I love being a part of a team. I love serving. I don't want to be the face of anything. I don't really want to be responsible for all of it. And so it's just not my thing. Um, but it's finding that balance because just because it's not something that's comfortable for me doesn't mean that that's not what God has called me to do. And so it has to find the balance, but there are some things where I'm like, when it comes to my kids, I think I was willing to risk time with them and a lot of stuff before, like when I first moved here. And now these are certain things I'm just not willing to risk anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm not willing to sacrifice the things that I can't really get back. You know what I mean? Like time with them and you know, it's just like, I don't know if I want to risk that. It's scary. Yeah. There are decisions that I have to make in order to create the kind of generational wealth and uh, the kind of life that I want to build for myself and hopefully a testimony that I can tell 60 years from mm-hmm. now. It requires sacrifices and sometimes I have to be okay with them mm-hmm. when they don't feel good. Yeah. Or decide not to do it. And be okay and with And be that. okay with it and mm-hmm. not have the guilt of, okay, I want to be great, but maybe I don't want to be great that bad. So mm-hmm. am I being lazy? Mm-hmm. Right. Cause, cause Is that an excuse? Because it's the extremes. And I live in those extremes too. I'm yes. like, if I don't do anything, I'm lazy. Yep. If I do everything, um, you know what I mean? It's yeah. really hard to find. It's it's hard to find that balance. We'll talk about that more too. Um, okay. Recent lesson. What's a recent lesson you feel like you've learned? I am not in control. I'm a Capricorn. If you believe in that thing, <laughs> I am very structured with my life mm-hmm. and I am not in control. Mm. I don't, I don't like that feeling. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> it it's is worst. very humbling. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not being in control. Yeah. Okay. Recent lesson. I like that. I feel like that kind of aligns with my recent lesson. Um, my recent lesson um, has been more about trusting God for like the daily bread. Yeah. So that's been, that's been my recent lesson. I'm still trying to mull over all the things with that. But um, so, yeah. So Sarah and I met in 2020. During the pandemic. During the pandemic, it was right after I moved to Atlanta. And I'm sure you guys probably remember, this is when Clubhouse. Yep. Shout out to Clubhouse. It was, <laughs> Shout- it was solid for about a month. I mean, a solid month. Maybe two. I'll give them two months. Like Clubhouse was like crack. It felt like everybody <laughs> was on it. We woke, I like I woke up to Clubhouse. I went to sleep to Clubhouse. Folks were getting two phones. So Literally that they could actually work, work and live life. It was crazy. Like Clubhouse was was crazy. And um, we were in a room that a friend of mine had. I think it was Bree. She had a room. I think that she was doing something every Wednesday. Mm-hmm. And it was just all women, yeah. entrepreneurs. And um, she invited me to come into the room. And I was in there. And I think I got on stage where we could talk. And I don't even know what I talked about. Um, I think. I might've talked about Caleb or something like that. And, um, you said something to me and you were like, you know, you have to tell your story more. You have to talk about this more. You have to, like, you were so encouraging. I don't know. I don't know how we sidebar. I don't know if you said it on why we were in that room or if you reached out to me. I know there, I know we reached out to each other afterwards, but I know there was a moment where we talked and, you were so encouraging. And from that moment on, you shared some of your your story with me and we just kind of connected and clicked. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's literally going through the same thing I'm going through. I don't find um, 
because I, I heard you tell your, your testimony and you said it really quickly and you kind of like, you were teetering between whether or not you should share it and how you should share it. Mm -hmm. um, and so I quickly hopped on, said something quickly, and then I DM'd mm -hmm. you. And it was important because there's not a lot of sisterhood in autism and there isn't a sisterhood amongst black women who have children with autism. Yeah. There just weren't. Yeah. I, I couldn't name five people yeah. that could support me or show me or navigate the space. I was learning it in real time without any help and any guidance. Mm -hmm. um, and so then when you were like, I think I want to talk about it, I'm like, please, like, please, <laughs> please, please do, because we need to hear it. Um, yeah. And it's something crazy, like one in 45 black boys are being diagnosed. Yeah. We're the highest diagnosed. Yeah. But I can't name five families. How is that possible? Because we're not talking about it. We're not talking. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me. What has been, because I, I want to know your your journey with this and all the things, because our stories are very similar. Yeah. Um, for better for worse. For better for <laughs> you, um, And you can kind of share it in your own words, but we both have children with autism, a child with autism, both boys. Yes. Um, and Josiah is how old? He's 13. Josiah is 13 My and baby. Caleb is 11. Um, and... We also are newly single moms. Yeah. So this what a time. is, I'm like, <laughs> what a time yeah, to be alive. <laughs> this is us. Um, so kind of give us some story about how we got here just with you. Like how does Sarah end up here on serial entrepreneur, capitalist, all these things. Yeah. How do we get here? Uh, part of it almost has to go all the way back. Mm -hmm. So I was born in a refugee camp uh, in Sudan. My parents both left war-torn uh, war -torn Ethiopia mm -hmm. back uh, in the 80s. And uh, they met there, got married, then they have me. And I have known since I was a child that my story, my life would be different. Mm -hmm. I've always known. Mm -hmm. uh, now, what I will say is there are a few lessons and experiences that God could have just skipped over and bypassed. <laughs> for sure. Like I didn't need to know that lesson or could you have taught it to me in a different, different way? way? Yeah, for sure. Um, but born in a refugee camp and then, um, you know, I got married at 23, had my son uh, a while later uh, and I had a heart attack at 23, six days after my son was born. And I'm like, okay, God, I hear you. I see you. Um, and what's wild is, I'm glad it happened because it really woke me up mm. to, I was losing myself in marriage. I was losing mm. myself in the process of what my ex-husband did for work. Mm. I was uh, trying to navigate my purpose and who I was supposed to be yeah. in my place in the world. And so, and also I was heavy and it was not the baby's fault. It was me. <laughs> I was fat. It just is what it is. Like I was, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I had to get my health in order. For sure. No, I get it. And so um, I, I'm glad it happened mm -hmm. the way that it did. Uh, and then in 2019, I launched Sarah Lifestyle. Wow. And the reason why I launched it is, uh, to be honest, I was angry. Mm. I was having a conversation with God. And I'm not asking why me with Josiah's diagnosis. I'm not asking. I know like Josiah was meant for me. Mm. I was meant for this journey. Mm -hmm. I am built for this life. Mm -hmm. And I'm built to lead it with him. Mm -hmm. But I was sued in the county where I lived. And what do you want me to do with this? Mm. And I don't know if I'm allowed to be at the time like angry with God, but I need you to guide me. Yeah. Yeah. You didn't give this to me for no reason. What yeah. is the purpose? purpose? What am I not seeing? What are you protecting me from? But what is happening right yeah. now? Yeah. 
And um, God did not give me the coddle answer that I was hoping yeah. for. Uh, I was hoping for the my daughter wh- with whom I'm well pleased. Yeah. No. no. <laughs> he was like, sis, he may not have a voice, but you do. And you're wasting it. Mm. I didn't make you for this. You weren't built for this. Mm. And I'm like, dang, yeah. you could have left me alone. <laughs> Just give me a softer answer. Like rocked me. Yeah. It'll be okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. And then... Uh, Went through a uh, just kind of a journey and storyboarded and tried to figure out what my purpose was supposed to be and who am I in this mm-hmm. moment because I just really lost myself mm-hmm. again. And uh, that's where Sarah Love Style started is because I – how do I live my life and how do I show up in the world every day? Mm-hmm. And my lifestyle is to show up in love. Yeah. My hope is that when anyone meets me or they come to my page that they feel loved and seen and mm-hmm. heard and that they feel compassion. And so those are all the things that encompass who I am. Yeah. And so that's that's where the brand started. Uh, and then just cause God got jokes <laughs> a couple of months after that, my entire world is shattered after launching Sarah loves though three months later. And I'm now filing for divorce. Jesus. So I had the most extraordinary time of my life and my career mm-hmm. while simultaneously going through the worst time of my life. Personally. So professionally you were. On the end. Soaring. Yeah. And it happened fast. Mm. Fast. Yeah. All of it at the same time. And then a month later, I get my first uh, tech investment. And then a couple weeks after that, um, I get an opportunity to work with a company. They couldn't afford to pay me. And so I made a joke of, hey, I'll take equity. Mm. And then less than a year later, they exit. And I was like, okay, I can do this journey differently. I was like, God, I see the vision. Wow. I see where I'm supposed to go. I'm not supposed to go the typical influencer path. I can forge my own lane and you're going to help me. As long as I know that I follow you. Yeah. But whew, it was ugly for a second. So, okay. So go back. You said you were sued in the county that you lived in. I was suing our county. Yeah. You were suing the county. Yeah. You were suing them for Josiah, on Josiah. Josiah's behalf because of educational purposes. Correct. So this is always interesting to me because um, when I was going through the journey with Caleb mm-hmm. and um, going through an IEP and what does that look like? Um, a lot of people don't know that that is a legal binding document it between is. you and the the school board Correct. or the county, the county. right? Mm-hmm. And you don't have to agree no. to anything you don't want to agree to. No. And that's just something that if I could advocate for parents yeah. because you don't know and they don't tell you that. No. They sit you down and they're like, okay, this is the IEP. Like they don't tell you that this is actually a legal legal binding document. Correct. And if you don't like anything on here, you don't have to Correct. agree to it. Um, and this it's the school's responsibility or the school board or the county's responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure that they have what your child needs Correct. Um, to be properly educated. And if they are not, then they have to pay for your child to get private education. Correct. Factors delicious, ready-to-eat meals make eating better every day easy. Wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with pre-prepared, chef-crafted, and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. You'll have over 35 different options a week to choose from, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more. There's even more to enjoy with over 55 nutrition pack add-ons to help make your weekly meal planning even more delicious. 
What are you waiting for? Get started today and have a feel-good week of meals ready to go. Fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. Snacks, smoothies, and more. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Sign up and save. We've done all the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved and nutritious and delicious. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, upscale options done easily. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing 6 to 18 meals a week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule your deliveries anytime. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Head to factormeals.com slash totality50 and use code totality50 and get 50% off. That's code totality50 at factormeals.com slash totality50 to get 50% off. All right, guys, back to the show. All right, guys, before we continue on with this episode, just a quick announcement. Black representation in media is super important to our community as it promotes diversity, challenges stereotypes, and allows for more authentic storytelling. It helps foster a sense of belonging and can positively impact societal perceptions and breaking down biases. Tabitha Brown, Ava DuVernay, Viola Davis, Issa Rae all have made significant contributions to film, television, and media paving the way for more diversity and inclusion. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories and Black truths. I recently listened to an episode titled The Civil Rights Generation. The show gives a deeper look into the stories beyond the history book providing first-hand accounts of what happened from the people who actually lived it. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast that center Black voices. It's NPR's Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices that are varied, nuanced, and Black. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, guys, back to the show. That is what an IEP is. And if you don't, if you have a child with special needs, this is something that you need to know. And they don't tell you that. But I had to know because another mom was trying to sue her county Mm -hmm. and had to get a lawyer. And she told me because I was complaining about one of Caleb's IEP meetings. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just sad that people don't know that. The process made me a wolf. It actually made me a really great CEO, mm. that process with Josiah. Um, because advocate, there's nobody else I'm going to advocate for more than my children. No one. And the reality is I'm allowed to say no. Mm-hmm. And you think that folks have your best interest 
in mind and they don't. They, you think, and you think that educators have your child's best interest in mind. Respectfully, and, they and don't. respectfully, they always don't mm -mm. because there is a system. And I understand that the the teachers and the educators, it's always, it's not always their fault because it's, it's the system. Yes. But you have to know what you're going up against. I say no a lot. Oh, I am a bulldog. And I demand in, oh, a lot. 100%. I demand PTOT speech, vision, everything that is available to us, to him that he needs, I will advocate for and you will give it to and him. And you will. So I will give you an example of a really bad IEP meeting that mm. I had. Um, Caleb is completely nonverbal, right? So Caleb um, can sing. Like he can wow. say words when he sings, mm -hmm. but when it's just like a conversation, he's not going to talk. He'll mm -hmm. say a few words here and there, um, but he's just not going to say them fluidly, sure. right? Um, and so this is when Caleb was in probably maybe first grade. No, what is he in now? Thir fifth, so yeah, maybe around first grade. And they were trying to give Caleb more PT time, so physical education mm -hmm. time than speech time. They were trying to give Caleb 30 minutes of speech a week. 30 minutes a week. No. Not 30 minutes a day. No. 30 minutes a week. No. I did everything but flip the tables in there. Uh -huh. I said, this don't even make sense. No, make it make sense for me. Though. Yeah, tell me how a child that is nonverbal uh -huh. needs more physical education time uh -huh. than speech time. Uh -huh. So again, to your point, I said no. Y'all figure it out. Mm -hmm. This is absolutely unacceptable. Yep. My child needs at least 30 minutes per day Correct. of speech therapy yep. per day. And if you're not willing to give that to him or you don't have the capacity to, then you will be paying for his speech therapy uh -huh. outside of that. Find someone who will. I I always say, so I, I, I remember one of the counties that I lived in saying, um, you know, we're the educators, like we know best. And I'm like, I have a PhD in my son. <laughs> Period. You do not know my son better than I do. Yep. And you never will. Yep. So you can't tell me. You can give me recommendations, but mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. You yep. can't tell me what he needs when I know what he needs. Yeah. And we moved around quite a bit. And so, um, you know, it's even where I live now in LA, having to explain and do evaluations over and over and mm -hmm. over again to prove that he needs said services. Mm -hmm. um, I remember going through the this thing with LAUSD and actually... Um, I was like, you know what? Let's do this. Let's sit down. You need to obviously meet him because the reality is I wouldn't be asking you for these things if, if he, he did not need, need them. And I wish he didn't. Not that I wish it, but like, yeah, if he didn't need them, I wouldn't be bothering Why you. Would I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be here. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be bothering you. Yeah. And I don't want you bothering me. me. If he did not need it, I would yeah. not be asking you for yeah. these particular services. And so it is it is a journey. It is, like you said, it's made me a dog. Yeah. So what age did uh, Josiah get diagnosed? He was four. Okay. So tell and me. And I had to fight for the diagnosis. Really? Mm -hmm. So how did you know, like walk me through that process. Did you notice some delays in him and then you brought it up to your pediatrician? Yeah. Well, and here's the, here's the crazy thing. When he was diagnosed, um, autism was not considered a like a, a medical diagnosis yet. Mm. So it wasn't even covered by insurance. I had to True. get a yeah. private doctor yeah. to diagnose him, um, which is frustrating in and of itself yeah. because now if you're a parent and you can't afford to do those outside services, 
that's asking a lot of parents. And then once they hit about seven, it's considered pre-existing mm-hmm. um, with some insurances. So then you can't get the services the child needs after they're seven. That's what it was back mm-hmm. then when he was diagnosed. But no, there were speech delays. He wouldn't really look at me in the eyes. There were social delays. Um, I knew early that something was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, my journey isn't typical where like he was talking at two or three and then there was the regression. He just was nonverbal the whole time. Mm-hmm. And Same so with Caleb too. I, I knew. Mm-hmm. I knew something was wrong. And for me, it was like, do no harm. Let's get a diagnosis and get him all the sur- – I mean, I dove into yeah. Josiah um, and making sure that he had everything he needed to be a successful Yeah. Were you working at the time or were you a stay-at-home mom? I was a stay-at-home mom. Wow. Okay. So Caleb, when we got his diet, Caleb always gave us good eye contact. Mm -hmm. Like ever since he came out the womb, he was like eye contact, eye contact, like these piercing blue eyes. And, um, but his motor skills were very delayed. Um, Certain things like certain things that babies just gravitate to as they're developing like toys and things he didn't really gravitate towards those things and he and like I said his motor skills were just very slow Mm -hmm. like he didn't want to roll over he didn't want to crawl Caleb didn't really crawl until he was one just I didn't walk until he was two yeah it was around Caleb was like around one and a half um and mind you you know this is the child I prayed for you're gonna make me cry (laughs) this is the child I prayed for And I remember, I remember getting the diagnosis and feeling guilty because I forced this kid here. And I remember how like that, that guilt, you know, hitting me so hard because I had begged God for this child. I wanted him so bad, you know, and I wanted him for selfish reasons. To be honest, I wanted him because I had Eli out of wedlock and I was finally married. So I could do it right this time. And, and, and when we got the diagnosis, I, I just remember feeling so guilty and really remember feeling scared Yeah, because I don't know what autism is and I don't know what this means. And then when they bring you in to tell you that your child now, you know, not a social worker, but you know how they have like a County person assigned to them to help them get their needs, you know, met as far as certain services and stuff that the county provides. Cause mm-hmm. our county in Columbus provided some services mm-hmm. and it was like, um, it was, um, help me grow. Mm-hmm. That's what it was called. It was called help me grow, but it only went up until a certain age. Yeah. Usually it's three, three. Yeah. So, um, they bring, bring us into this room and you can tell me if your experience was similar, but they brought us into this room and she went down the list of all the things Caleb will never do. Mm-hmm. He'll never graduate on time. He probably won't have any friends. Um, He'll probably live with you his entire life. He won't be able to do anything on his own. And they just, and they, it was nothing positive. There's no hope. Sorry. Your kid is, you know, not what you thought it was going to be. Your entire world just comes crashing down and people, you know, I had put out this out a long time ago and there were some people that kind of got offended by it, but until you know what it's like, until you lived it, you'll understand, but it is like grieving a death every day. And you have to see this death every every day. Because when you have a child, you aren't thinking the worst is going to happen. You think the best. When you're pregnant with this child, you think of all the great things. Yeah. They're going to play football and the 
basketball games and prom and homecoming and birthday parties. Oh, I had it all planned out. Sleepovers, you know. And then you get into this room with this professional Mm -hmm. that tells you none of that is going to happen. Yep. So just make the best of his life. Make him comfortable. He's not going to be smart. He's not going to learn anything. And just, you know, this is, this is your life. I, um, (laughs) when I was 15, I heard the sermon, um, Pastor Casey Treat uh, in Seattle where I'm from, preached a sermon on King Josiah Mm -hmm. and he was the youngest king. He was nine. And the Bible says that there was no one like him and there would never be anyone like him. And I was like, one day I cannot wait. Mm -hmm. And I knew, I knew my oldest, my firstborn was going to be a boy Mm -hmm. and I was going to name him Josiah. And so when you say that you prayed, I prayed Mm -hmm. for him. Mm -hmm. I was prepared for him. Mm -hmm. I was ready for him. Mm -hmm. I knew exactly what his life would be and where he he would go. And I had planned it all out. Mm -hmm. And when I was pregnant, I remember like I was at a wedding and um, I had actually been told he was going to be a girl. And then Mm. they told me he was actually going to have down. And so like I had a very tumultuous pregnancy. It was, Mm. it was rough. So then he's born and they're like, okay, sorry, our bad. He doesn't have, he doesn't have down. And I'm like, okay, we're in the clear. Like, Mm -hmm. yay, I can go back to planning our whole lives. And Mm -hmm. I had it all figured out. Mm -hmm. And then he gets diagnosed. And I'm glad you, you said that it's like grieving. And I had to go to therapy. Mm -hmm. I had postpartum bad. Yeah. And I went to therapy and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, why do I feel so much guilt? Mm -hmm. And why do I feel like, why am I harboring so much like in my body and why am I not okay? And she said, it's because you're grieving the life you thought you were going to have. And I had to, I had to grieve it. I had to bury it and let it go. Mm. And the moment I did though, I was able to like shift my attention to focus on him and then like giving him the best possible life. God was like, I, you wanted him. Mm -hmm. He is yours. You're Mm -hmm. built for this. You're made for Mm -hmm. this. And so I, I knew I could handle it. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is for me, I also found so much strength and power in him, though, mm-hmm. that it made me hopeful. Yeah, in the same in the same yeah. breath. And but it was like this weird dichotomy of: Are we going to be okay? And what does this life look like? But all of this list tells you everything they cannot do, will not do. Like I was told, he would never walk. Yeah, he would never talk. Um, he would never have friends. He wouldn't graduate. He wouldn't. And it's like, I never asked God why. Mm-hmm. But I did ask, how do I steward this this mm-hmm. the best way I can mm-hmm. for him? Mm-hmm. My hopes and my dreams for my sons, both of them, do not change. They don't yeah. alter because of a diagnosis or, or a special need. But at yeah. the same time, I want to give him the best life. Best life, yeah. Yeah. I remember... I remember the moment that I think I... That shifted everything for me was after Caleb got diagnosed... So he got diagnosed with autism in 2014. And then in 2015, our pediatrician, and I'm just so thankful for the pediatrician that I had, Dr. Robbins, because I know everyone doesn't have that experience. He saw something before, like he said something. I didn't have to come to him. He was like, I want to look into this. I want to look into this. Mm -hmm. And um, he also, he also, um, was like, I think we need to do more testing. I think it might be something more than autism. And I was like, no, like uh, we had just gotten the diet. Like, autism is enough. <laughs> I was like, autism Leave is enough. Alone. Just yeah. let me get through this. Yeah. And if there's anything else, like just give me a minute. Yeah. 
And so he brought it back up and he said, Megan, I really need to, I need you to take him to do this blood test. Mm. And I'm like, okay, fine. So take him to Children's Hospital. We do this blood test. And then they call us probably a couple weeks later. Um, and they bring us to the hospital. Here we go. Yeah. Right. Um, Caleb has fragile X syndrome. And so now here it's a whole nother thing on top of autism. And Caleb was, because he was nonverbal, what we didn't know also is that he had had, since he was born, he had always had chronic ear infections. Come to find out he had 93% fluid built up in his ears. So he wasn't hearing anything for the first two and a half years of his life. 90%, over 90% of his hearing was blocked, right? And you know, they don't just go put tubes in. They have to have so many ear infections before we even get to the point of putting tubes in their ear. So mind you, he's nonverbal. He hasn't been hearing anything for three years. Now we have fragile X syndrome, which is a um, dysfunction in the X chromosome. And his brain doesn't have the protein that produces brain development. His body doesn't have the protein that produces brain development. So, and Caleb would just scream a lot, just cry a lot, but it was like screaming cry. And- I couldn't get him comfortable one day and I'm sitting on the floor and Jonah is the baby and Eli's a, you know, four-year-old and he's running around and Jonah's crawling around and Caleb is just screaming and screaming and I can't get him calm. So I'm just sitting on the floor and I put him in my lap and I just start bawling. It was like, I'm tired. I don't know what to do. I'm frustrated. I'm angry you know, and just pure exhaustion. Mm-hmm. So I'm sitting in the, in the living room and I'm, he's sitting in my lap and I'm rocking him. And I'm just like, God, why? See, I did ask why. I said, why? Why? Like, if anything, you could have afflicted me. Yeah. Just don't, don't like. That might be. Not him. Because yeah. he didn't ask to be here. Yep. And I brought him here. I, I know I forced him. I, I mean, I begged God for this baby. So it's like, it's not his fault give it to me, you know, whatever you can give me, whatever sickness, just don't give it to him. Mm-hmm. Don't just take this from him. And I just kept asking, I just, why, why, why? And God was very, I, I, I want to, I wish I could say that he was really gentle, but he was still kind, mm-hmm. but he wasn't gentle in his response. And he was like, why not you? Why do you think you're exempt from this? Why do you think that you're exempt from going through this? Because if I, if you believe that I know the plans that I have for you and I know the plans that I have for Caleb and he knows the plans that he has for Sarah and he knows the plans that he has for Josiah, why, why, why not you? If I brought you to it, I'll bring you through it. Why not you? For this is for my glory. That's Mm -hmm. all he said. And then he stopped talking. This is for my glory. And so I was like, okay, God, you need to show me in your word. Because if it's in his word, then I know for a fact Correct. it will come to pass. Correct. I'm like, okay, show me in your word. And he brought me to this scripture. And I don't know what the scripture is off the top of my head, but it was um, it was the disciples saw a boy. And I guess he was um, mute and he, he had some, some sort of dysfunction, you know, or some sort of, he kind of was described like a special needs child, it seemed. And um, 
the disciples are like, well, who sinned? Was it the mom or the dad who sinned? And Jesus said, neither the mother or the father sinned, but this is for my glory. And God told me before I even looked up the scripture, he told me, why not you? Why do you think you're exempted for this from this? This is for my glory. And then I went and searched out in scripture and he said, this is for my glory. And so I had to hold on to that and believe that whatever it was, what, what, whatever the reason, it was for his glory. I may not know the why, but I know it was for his glory, mm-hmm. right? And that was the thing that set forth me expressing myself, talking about my experience. And it, I mean, it's the reason why we're sitting here today. Same. I mean, you and I talk about this quite often. If it's not for Josiah, I don't do any of what I do. Yeah. I don't get on Instagram. I am an introvert. Yeah. I have no desire to be in front of the camera. I've, I had no desire to start a podcast. I had no desire to uh, talk about the parts of my life that can be hurtful and mm-hmm. shameful and the parts of me that hurt. And um, no, if yeah. it's not for Josiah, I don't go into venture capital. I don't, <laughs> if it's not for Josiah, I don't do any of it. Mm. And it's all, it's, when you think back on it, you're like, you start to see how. You start to see like, okay, uh-huh. God, I understand. I understand. I it didn't feel saw. good. No. It doesn't no. feel good. No. no. And and the type of, and I know that you can relate to this because we talked about this a little bit, but you were like, you know, admitting that you're angry with God. Yeah. Like I had to have some hard conversations. God and God. I are like this with these conversations. I don't play. I'm like my boy. <laughs> You, I, I don't want to be your strongest soldier. When did I sign up for the war? I don't want to be here. And you're throwing me on the front line. What? Like, Lord, no. Get somebody else to do it. Get somebody else. You no. know how quickly I would get a nine to five Baby. and sit down No, this and is- live my little comfortable life? And what's interesting is that's the life that I thought I would have. Mm-hmm. Same. Same. And now that's not the life I desire. Right. Isn't that at crazy? All. At all. But it's... Nah, I was... And it's interesting because I think there's this negative connotation when they say, like, you're not supposed to be mad at God and you're not supposed to be angry. Yeah, right. No, dog. He is my father, right? Mm -hmm. We need to talk. Let's have a conversation. This ish hurts. This hurts. This is pain. And you're hitting me in the one place that would hurt me the most. That would take me out. The one area that could break me the most is my children. Everything else I don't care. Everybody Mm -hmm. else is their people, their humans, whatever. Even in my marriage... It could have broke me, but it didn't because at the end of the day, I also had to remember like <laughs> Christ didn't die just for me. He died for that one too. He died for him too. Yep. That's a hard pill to swallow oh, sometimes. I had to go to therapy and have a lot of conversations with my pastor about that one. And and but it also led me to forgiveness quicker for that very reason, which we can talk about yes. later. But you know, having those hard hard conversations with God of like, I'm mad. I'm mad. Yeah. I'm not mad at you, mm. but I am mad mm. and I'm hurt and I'm frustrated and I don't know what to do. Mm. And for someone like me, who's got her life planned out three years, five years, mm. that's why I said one of the biggest lessons I've learned over the course of the last three years in particular is I'm not in control mm-hmm. and surrendering my need to control the outcome. Mm-hmm. Cause then that's not faith. Mm-hmm. If I'm in control yep. and if I'm only making decisions where I know and can see the, the outcome, outcome oof, I think I'm God. Sarah. Because I don't need him at that point. You th- and that's the conversation that I don't think people are ready to have. 
All right, you guys, at this point, I know we can spot a too good to be true health hack a mile away. Do you check for the latest studies on health aging or do you read labels like it's your job? Come on, be honest, is that you? Well, congratulations, you're a skeptic. And Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds their standards. Ritual's Essential for Women is USP verified, so you know you can trust what you're putting in your body. Only about 1% of supplement brands on the market have the USP verified mark, which shows that the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. I love Ritual Essentials because for women 18 and older, this is one of the few multivitamins that are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified bee crop and made traceable. Gentle on an empty stomach with a minty essence in every bottle that helps making taking your multivitamins enjoyable. No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com totality. Start Ritual or add a Central for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash totality for 25% off. All right, back to the show. Okay, you guys, before we continue on with this episode, have you ever been on a hunt for a new doctor and you asked everyone? So I totally know what this feels like. You ask everybody who you know for a doctor that listens to you, knows what you need, makes you feel comfortable. After weeks of searching and asking everyone around town, you finally find the one. It's close to the kids' school, it's close to your house, it's amazing, it checks all the boxes. So then you call the office, you make an appointment, and they actually have an available appointment. Everything is working out just right. But then the receptionist tells you that the perfect doctor that you've been waiting for and you searched all over for doesn't take your insurance. I'm telling you right now, wipe the tears, put away the ice cream, and head over to ZocDoc.com to find and book a doctor who is right for you and takes your insurance. We're talking about booking appointments with thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones that take your insurance, that are located near you, and treat almost every and any condition you're searching for. These doctors have verified reviews from actual real patients, not robots. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc.com is between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. You can find the doctor you want and book them immediately with just a few app taps. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Go to ZocDoc.com totality and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's ZocDoc.com totality. ZocDoc.com totality. All right, guys, back to the show. The reality of, oh, you think you're God. Uh -huh. Okay. And I'm God's, had to check, God's had to check me. If, oh, mm -hmm. you think you God. Uh -huh. Okay. Go ahead, sis. Go ahead. And when, you're, when you make a mess of yourself, uh -huh. I'll be here. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Because I'm good. <laughs> I'm a good, good father. And I'm like, <laughs> Lord, right I'm back. sorry. <laughs> I need you to fix this. After you done messed it up. Oh, jacked it all. Jacked I it all Fell up. on my face. 
busted my lip. And that's what I'm saying. You, 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 God is still so kind yeah. that he'll let you fall. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny that I learned so much more about God's character as a father when I became a parent. Yes. I'm like, oh, okay. Now I know you as God the Father. Yes. And 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 sometimes I think when people have not experienced parenting yet, uh-huh. you have a different level of revelation of God in becoming a parent matures you in this in the spirit realm. Like mm-hmm. in the spiritual way, it matures you because you start to see like, yeah, like if Eli were if I kept telling Eli to stay away from the stove, at one point, I'm gonna let him touch it. I'll let you. Because my word isn't enough for you at this point. Mm-hmm. So now you got to experience some Oh, pain. you want to see. Oh, you want to see how hot it is. Go ahead. Go ahead. I bet you won't do it again. <laughs> and I'm going to be there to put some ointment on you. Correct. Because I'm, I'm your mom and I love you. Uh-huh. And I'm going to put some ointment on. I'm going to mm-hmm. put a Band-Aid on you. Mm-hmm. But I bet you ain't going to touch that fire again. And I'm going to let you do. And it's so crazy because we were just, I think I was talking to Jordan, this uh, the movie Ray. Mm-hmm. And Jamie Foxx played that character. But in the beginning where he starts to go blind, there's this scene where his mom is in the kitchen Mm -hmm. and she's standing there and he's coming in the front door and he's like, mom, he falls. Mm -hmm. He trips over something, he falls and he starts crying. And you can see her and she has this moment where she's like, I have to make a decision. Mm -hmm. And this decision will set forth his life forever. So either I make him, build him up in in strength by withdrawing my presence from him. Or I can go and coddle him with my presence and he'll be dependent on my presence forever. That is something I struggled with. And she let him figure it out. Mm -hmm. And and you saw he he cried and then he kind of got up and he started to feel his way. And then he got around and then he stopped and says, Mommy, I hear you. You're right there. He got closer to her as he searched for her. Yeah. He said, mommy, I hear you're right there. And then he found her. She didn't move. He found her and he touched her face and he said, it's okay. Like he can see. And at that moment, when you have a child with special needs, it hits you so hard because I have had those moments where I've had to let Caleb fail. I had to let him hurt himself. I had to let him be in pain. I had to frustrate him because I needed, I knew what he was capable of. And God does the same with us. He's like, I, it might feel like his presence is withdrawal, but it's not. He's there the whole time, but he might need to build some character in you to get you to where you need to go. I can't tell you how many times I've had the conversation in the last three and a half, four years with God, where there were moments I was like, you said, now for, just for reference, I'm a PK. Mm-hmm. So I have had Christ throughout my life. I've, I've like lived in the word Bible study mm-hmm. seven days a week was church. And you're, and you're East African, I'm Ethiopian, Ethiopian. Yeah, so I'm like Ethi- African. I'm like, we'd be in Ethi- church for like nine hours. <laughs> I'm like, Ethiopians do not play. Mm-hmm. Especially Orthodox Christian no. Ethiopians do not play. We don't we yeah. at all. And so what I find really interesting is, um, in my darkest moments, which is, so I'm going to be, I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. in my darkest moments the conversations I had with God was like, why did you forsake me? What did I do? What did I do? Oh my God. What sin have I done? What? I'm not perfect. I know that I'm, I'm, I'm not, I don't have it all figured out, but what did I, what did I do to deserve this? What did I do? Like, bro, help (laughs) me. Mm -hmm. 
Where mm. did you go? Mm-hmm. And every single time I asked that question, I would get an immediate, it was almost immediate response. Wow. Of, I'm right here. Wow. But like you said, it, he had to let me fall. I thought I was in control of my mm-hmm. life. I was in control of my marriage. I was, mm-hmm. thought I was in control as a mother. Mm-hmm. Thought I was in control of my of me. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't. Yep. And the level of surrender that was required. Yeah. God was like, enough. Are you tired yet? Have you had enough? Have you had enough? I'm asking, why did you forsake me? He's like, I didn't. You've been running. Because mm. he says, I'll never leave you. But he doesn't promise that we'll ever leave him. He says, I'll never leave you or forsaking you, but we can leave him. And how long are you going to keep going? How long are you going to make decisions? How long do you think that you are the ruler of your life? How long do you think you can ordain your own steps? And now you're tired and now you're looking at me and he's on the sideline like, I'm here. I'm here. Give it to me. Yeah. And in that darkest moments was also the most peace I've ever had Mm -hmm. once I surrendered it though. Mm -hmm. So while I was going through my divorce and by the way, y'all, I was on the internet every single day going through a divorce, (laughs) dying internally. And the hardest part about divorce is you are grieving. Not only the life you thought you were going to have, you are grieving this situation. All of it. Divorce is like, is, is death. You have to grieve it, but you also have to live. There's no ending to this mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. while still making sure that I don't uproot my children and making sure that they don't feel, you know, trying to make sure that they have stability and grounding and it has to come from me, but I can't give them that if I'm not grounded mm-hmm. in my word, if I'm not grounded in my faith, mm-hmm. if I'm not uh, stable in my soul and my mind, the fact that I'm not in jail or <laughs> <laughs> girl, what the fact that I'm not in jail or in a psych ward because of what I've dealt with in the last three years, that's all glory to God. And I wish I was being funny. The fact that I'm able to sit here and build the empire that I've built and done all the work that I've done, that is all God. Because I should have lost, lost my darn everything. Mind. Everything. And what's crazy is I did. I lost everything. Mm. But in my, I have never. I don't think I've listened to that many scriptures or listened to that many sermons, mm-hmm. was in my word more writing, therapy, meditation, breath work. Because <laughs> all of a sudden I was getting like panic attacks in the middle of the night. I was mm-hmm. having anxiety in my sleep. It was wild. But also the second I started to dive into my faith was the calmest I think. So people were like, how are you doing so well? And by the way, I didn't tell nobody. Mm. So you're going all through all of this in silence. I didn't silence. tell a soul. Did your family know? I didn't tell a soul. I didn't tell a soul for, it was like 18 months before I told my parents. I didn't tell a soul. When I say, when I say that I was dying, I was dying Mm, mm, mm. internally and still showing up. And God was like, you still have to show up. You have a responsibility to show up. In this moment, it's not about you. Mm. You have a testimony to tell. I will get you through Mm -hmm. it. But you are going to require me in this process. Yeah. If you do it on your own, you will self-destruct. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you, I love that you shared that because coming out of it, coming out of divorce, um, I wish I would have kept a lot of things to myself. Mm. I wish I didn't say a lot of things. I wish I would have gotten in therapy a lot sooner. Yeah. I got into therapy once I moved in this house. So back in May, mm-hmm. I started therapy because everything came crashing down in my life at that point. 
Um, but I wish I would have gotten in therapy. I wish that was like the one person that I told everything to and yeah. then told no one else anything else. Yeah, because else. the emotions that you're feeling, mm-hmm. these up and downs and, you know, I just wish I would have kept a lot of things to myself more. I, and let me be clear. I don't necessarily know if that's the right thing to do for everyone, but it was the right thing for, for me. For you. Yeah. Um, the only person I did talk to, my first call was actually a therapist. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I didn't want to bleed on my children. Yeah. I didn't want to bleed in my healing, in yeah. the midst of my healing. Yeah. And I knew it was going to take me a minute. Um, this is somebody that I had been with since I was 18. So I've known this person half a month. I don't know any other life. And so I I did not want to project my anger and my frustration and my uh, the disrespect, all of it. I didn't want to put that on my children. Yeah. I didn't want to put the onus on them to heal me or yeah. to, to be a part of that. And so I, I just kept it to myself. And yeah. I, I knew, because then if I talked, then what? Then people would either try to talk me out of it, but it was too late for that. I just, I did not need any outside, outside noise. Voice. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's wisdom. I think that there, I think that a lesson that I feel like and which which is why it's important that we come together and have these conversations to help other people because I know that we're not the only ones who experience yeah. this but finding the balance in both responses you know what i mean yeah. i i know for me it would have probably have been better um if i would have just were in therapy and had one person to talk to than to bleed out on my friends to yeah. bleed out on family and then another really toxic trait that I have is withdrawal. Mm. I withdraw. Yeah. So when I am going through things, mm-hmm. I emotionally withdraw. Yeah. So I just retreat all the way back. Yeah. I isolate. Isolate. Yeah. And like, I can be sitting here with you, but I'm isolated. Like, I'm just completely, it's like, I'm not even here. Yeah. And you become this like weird shell of yourself. Correct while you're going through it. And even when you come out of it a little bit, there there's a process in that. Um, but if I'm being honest, I wish I wouldn't have said anything. Mm. I wish I wouldn't have gave so many details to people that wouldn't even be in my life a year later. Yeah. You know, I wish I wouldn't have, you know, I wish I would have kept some of those very personal things to myself and with a therapist mm-hmm. and, and, that way you have the stability, I guess, mental stability mm-hmm. to actually go get through the divorce. Right. Because what people don't understand is you you take all this strength to get to that point. Uh-huh. And it takes a lot. And it takes so much. I don't think I was prepared for the after because uh-huh. I was just so worried about getting out of it mm-hmm. that I wasn't prepared for what came like coming into this house and all the responsibilities and the feelings yeah. and like I didn't miss him personally, but like I missed him because mm-hmm. he wasn't here. Yeah. Like all those things, like you weren't like you just don't you're not prepared for. See, and I thought <laughs> so I'll give you an, a, a different perspective is so I did the therapy, I did it for a year, felt good. I'm like, I'm healed. I'm mm-hmm. good. Then I moved to LA by my house, like you said, by myself just the kids. And I looked around and I was like, I need to be in therapy again. (laughs) 
So moving on for the after mm-hmm. required me to go to therapy mm-hmm. because also I don't know this version of me. I don't know who I am. I don't know who I am anymore. Who is this who person? Who is this person? Yeah. I'm 36. I was with someone from 18 to 32, 32, and then the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through a divorce during the pandemic. I'm dealing with all of that. Were you guys in the same house? Um, not initially. And then we decided to quarantine together, um, for the kid's sake. So it was a very, very, very strange. Um, and we weren't living together. So we went from not living together and separated to needing to make a decision for the kid's sakes. Cause like, yeah, cause we're like, where's dad? Yeah. Um, and, but yeah, like even this after portion of my life has required me to go back into therapy to mm. navigate, like, what do I want? Yeah. What do I want? Yeah. What makes me happy? Yeah. Who am I now? Mm-hmm. And I get to do life over. again. Yeah. I can do it again. Yeah. And it's kind of scary sometimes, but it's exciting. It is, but it's also very exciting. Yeah. I think once you get through the healing, yeah, it becomes more exciting. Yeah. Because you're out of that like really intense pain that it that it comes with initially. Yeah. And then there's so much hope for a new start, you know. Um but how do you, how do you navigate with co-parenting? Like, how is co-parenting? <laughs> All right, guys, we are going to take a quick break. We will see you guys next week for part two. If you want to know what it's like to co-parent, then be back next week with Sarah Lovestyle for part two of um, our interview together so i love you guys and i'll see you guys next week hey you guys before you go i just wanted to say how grateful i am for your love and support if you've enjoyed this episode please take a moment and share it with a friend or family member if you could do me one huge favor head over to apple Podcasts and leave a five-star rating and a heartfelt review it helps others just like you discover the podcast You guys, let's continue to spread the inspiration. For more about me and the podcast, visit www.themeganashley.com. Until next time, stay encouraged that you are so valued and so loved.